Well, hello again, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another edition of SpinCast. Joining us all the way from Montana, we have Michael Cassens. He is the director of esports for the University of Montana. So without further ado, hello, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Good. Well, we appreciate having you, taking a little bit of time just to tell us a little bit about your program, yourself, and how esports kind of fits in with all of that. So without further ado, if you can just tell us how you started in the esports space, if you will, how that got you into the University of Montana from a director of esports position. Um, and we'll start there. Sure. So we started our esports team uh, formally in the fall of 2019. We, it had been a club sport prior, uh, kind of organically grown from a group of students for a number of years. Uh, but you know, as students come and go, leadership comes and goes. And so I thought that it would be uh, instrumental. I saw a, an opportunity for us to create what I felt would be a very strong community uh, in the gaming space. It's something that I've enjoyed doing my whole life, playing games from uh, a, young, a young boy playing Atari and playing arcade to all the way up to just, you know, I've never played competitively, but I knew that I knew there was a lot of students that did but our focus primarily was creating uh, a diverse and inclusive community. And that's our first and foremost uh, aspect of what we do at our team uh, so that people feel like they're part of something so that they feel like they can belong. And so we have students from all over the campus from 22 different majors. We have students across all different uh, age groups. So 40% uh, freshmen, 40% juniors and sophomores and juniors and 20% seniors. So we have students crossed all over and uh, we hope to grow. We have about 100 students now just in the first you know, semester and a half since we all had to go home halfway through the semester, but still playing with one another remotely, uh, still connecting over Discord. And so we felt pretty good about that. Uh, but that's really how we, we got started. Uh, it was mostly just thinking, how do we create a new community where anyone can join? Uh, as opposed to any kind of like uh, any kind of barriers that might exist. Yeah, understood. Going backwards a little bit, Atari. Wow, it's been a while since I've heard that. that <laughs> name. So understood, but guilty. I, I played that a little bit myself. Um, I love a lot of the things you just talked about, though, and especially the diversity and inclusivity. You know, it's really important to understand that a number, probably the majority of the population games to some degree. It's just a matter of uh, are they very into it or just casually or somewhere in between. So being able to be part of an organization where they feel that likeness to the person to the left and to the person to the right of them, I think is incredibly important, especially when you're going to college. It's so challenging to begin to fit in. So yes. finding that puzzle piece that you can lock into is, I think, critical. So uh, kudos for you guys to, to not only build that, but also obviously it sounds like it's continuing to grow. Let's talk a little bit about that in terms of the growth in the year and a half. I know you mentioned you've got over a hundred um, there. How, how many games, uh, platforms do you have teams that, let me back up, how many different teams and different games do you guys have that you move forward with? Yeah, we actually have eight games that we uh, compete with uh, and we have varsity and junior varsity teams and development teams on all of them essentially. So League of Legends, Overwatch, we have uh, Pokemon Go, we have Tetris, we have Smash, Super Smash Brothers, we have StarCraft 2, we have Rocket League, 
Uh, and so we have a number of different games on different platforms, and we hope to expand that into the mobile space next year when we come back together to try to, again, open it up to a, a more diverse group of people so that they feel not as intimidated. Surprisingly, or maybe not so surprisingly, not as many people may have a lot of experience on PC, but a lot of people have experience on mobile games or consoles. So we want to try to expand that to make it more inviting because our idea is, is the more people that come to play, that's all we're looking for. We're not looking, our goal is not to be the very best esports players where our goal is to be the best people. And so that's what we're after. We're trying to create leaders. We're trying to create good communicators, collaborators, and teammates. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a great message because at the end of the day, the, the sport doesn't define who you are. Who you are defines who you are. So right. that's fantastic. So talk a little bit about once it was a club and now over the last year and a half, it's kind of developed even more, kind of what the landscape looked like going backwards a little bit to where you are today. Sure. So when it was a club, it was run, it's, it's a student run club. So there was a president and vice president and so forth, but all of that was all dependent on the leadership that was there at the time, which there was very strong leadership. And in fact, two of my head coaches came from that club and they had since graduated. I found them, I knew they were involved in the community. And so I brought them on as my two head coaches. We then reached out to find assistant coaches. We have five coaches in all because of all the games we support. And that was how we kind of, kind of progressed. And then we've now invited that gaming club, which still exists on campus, because they're all casual. They're mostly just casual gaming. And we've invited them to come and participate with us on Tuesday nights when they usually would meet because we have a training space, we have computers, we have kind of this community. And we say, well, why don't we all come together and then play as one? And so it doesn't have to be a segregated thing. And that's really kind of the goal behind it. But that's really where it started is they started out just kind of growing uh, that way. And then I just said, hey, why don't we why don't we take it from there and let's make it competitive and make it even more so. Got it. So let me make sure I understand what you just said. You all come together uh, to be able to compete and, and practice and play, et cetera. So do you have one facility where you can host a number of players to come together socially? Yeah, we do have a space in our, in our library. And so in our school library, we have a space there that was brought and that was built out to be a training facility. We have, we've since outgrown it. So we now have a secondary space that's going to be in our journalism school, which will also be built out hopefully in the fall. It was supposed to be built out this spring, of course, so that we can continue to expand because with eight different teams trying to figure out the puzzle of practice is not uh, insignificant let's just say yeah no no doubt about it well I love that see for me as a parent I would love nothing more than to know that my son or daughter when they go to school they have that social connection so you know immediately when you think of video games you think well is he or she just going to be in his dorm room yes playing against others and the fact yes. that you're able to get them together I think is huge because obviously for a number of different reasons we can that's a whole separate podcast probably on its own but yep. that's fantastic that that is able to occur there on campus where they can congregate and kind of, again, they have the same like, likes and, mm -hmm. and share that time together. So talk a little bit about that schedule, if you would. So if someone went to the University of Montana and they were on an eSports team, what is their schedule basically going to look like? I would imagine you probably have an in-season and an off-season, but I'll, anyway, you, you fill us in. What, what's it look like for you? 
Yeah, so we actually, so I found guidance after speaking with a number of different people on campus, but particularly talking to our athletic director, who was very generous with his time and expertise to help us kind of navigate the waters. And we also follow under the National Association of Collegiate Esports. So we follow kind of their guidelines as well. So we say, what kind of training can, can they or should they adhere to? So they have a maximum of 20 hours that they can practice a week total. So that's not dissimilar from other sports because right. we don't want this to be their only thing. We want them to participate in other things. We want them to have lives outside of esports. We want them to grow in different ways. And so they practice a lot, but they also have other interests. We want them to have that. So uh, that's part of their training schedule, but that's also as we move forward into the future, they'll have scholarship opportunities that are gonna start this next fall. And so they'll be playing uh, on scholarship as well. So that'll be uh, part of it as well. So it'll be, it's pretty formalized in that way. Uh, so that's, that's why we have such a hard time or have had a hard time getting our schedule, scheduling worked out because of the requirements of, you know, just getting enough time to practice. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome, though, the fact that you're going to be able to offer scholarships. That's just, ten, go back 10 years, right? You would have never thought that. And now I think it's becoming more and more and more commonplace. So that's awesome that uh, you guys are taking that step. Talk a little bit about, it's not just gaming at most places, meaning when you host an event, um, there's the broadcasting or casting or shoutcasting side of it. There's the event coordination side of it, right? Literally everything from A to Z, just like any other traditional big sporting event. Are the students the ones that are doing all of that? And if so, tell me about it. Yeah, 100%. That's a great question. This was our second pillar of what I wanted when I was envisioning this team is, you know, we worked on trying to create this environment, this community, and then we wanted it to be an education and first space because we have so many people from so many different majors i say all right let's create internships for all these students who are interested and they can learn and augment their education in a real world scenario finding internships is not easy a lot of times and so i say well why don't we have that this is real world right here you know you have we have broadcasters that that's what they do they're students and i mean one was a forensic anthropologist and he just decided he wanted to do it but what it helps him with is not necessarily that he wants to become a broadcaster or even a streamer someday but what it helps him with is his communication so when he goes out into the world and he says i'm going to go interview for a job or i'm going to go to graduate school he has those skills on how to present himself well how to articulate and so that's what we're looking for is saying what kinds of things can help you in the career choice that you're after and how do we do that? So whether it's grant writing, whether it's we have someone that was a kinesiologist, so helping us with you know, physical activity, we had uh, someone doing communication, so helping the students uh, talk about maybe some of the problems that they might be going through, things like that, and referring them to professional help if needed, and having people that would help with organization, like event planning. So all those were student run. We had people that were there, adults, like our coaches and so forth, that would help kind of guide them but their their mandate was you're a guide you're not you're not there to do the work you're there to just guide them so that they can learn and i always told the students from day one i actually don't care if they make mistakes and in fact i want them to make mistakes because that's when they learn the very most so if they're broadcasting and they say something that they didn't mean to say like they're just like oh that's the wrong thing to say because that's not what's really going on in the game i don't care I want them to learn from that and then say, oh, that's how I do it better the next time. And so fi finding or creating a space that's safe for these students to be able to kind of grow 
that's what we're after. That's awesome. That's awesome. And at the end of the day, there is absolutely nothing that beats hands-on experience. Absolutely. That's fantastic that you're able to incorporate uh, all of that together. So let's talk about the world we're in now. Um, I would suspect different than traditional sports, but to the advantage of esports, I would suspect a number of the, of the members of the team are able to still uh, a practice if they want to, or at least stay in touch and kind of go over strategies and things of that nature. How's it looking for you today? Yeah, that's a great question. We are still playing at some levels, like our Rocket, team, Rocket League team was still competing against other schools and, and doing just fine. They all have to play remotely, which of course is not what our ideal would be. I mean, you're, you touched on it briefly, but that was one of the main requirements is if you wanted to be on our team, you had to practice and play, compete together, like in the same room. And so it's not actually ideal and it's been really interesting because after they got used to that, it's been hard for them to be away from each other. So that's been fascinating, but they can do it and they have been able to do it. So they've been competing. Our League of Legends team just got done with a competition this last weekend. So they were in a, a small competition as well. We've had other students that have just sort of ad hoc just been practicing. So like Apex, they've been playing. So that kind of thing still going on, which is great. And it keeps them connected, which is important. I think that's been something that we've really tried to focus on is how do we keep you connected? Uh, moving forward into the fall, our hope is obviously that they'll be able to come back together, but they'll still practice over the summer, even though it'll be sort of an off season at that point. So they'll just keep practicing just to keep their teamwork up and to keep their kind of their skill sets up, but not as heavily probably. Yeah, which is, brings in an interesting dynamic that I hadn't really thought too, too much of before. But unlike, again, unlike traditional sports, I know, you know, when I left playing college baseball, for example, there was never a time where I reconvened with any of my buddies to throw the ball around or get some batting practice or anything like that. Whereas with this, you know, if someone graduates and goes off to be a doctor and someone goes to a different part of the country to be a journalist, there's always that possibility that they connect on a Friday night and say, hey, let's, uh, let's get a game on yep. and go from there, which is kind of neat in this space in general. So anyway. um, in terms of moving forward, only been a year and a half, but let's say you had a fast forward five years from now. If you can look into the crystal ball and, and get a lot of the things you probably would want um, for your esports program, how do you think it would look? What would you like to see anyway five years from now? Gosh, five years from now, um, I'm always looking for sustainability at this point. So I'm looking to see how do we make our 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 group, because I never wanted it to be a, a for-profit entity, which is kind of fascinating, right? It's counterintuitive because everybody wants to make money, which I get, but what's important is I want, uh, I want, this, uh, I want this team to be able to uh, keep going beyond me even. Let's say I have to retire or I move on or something. Um, my hope is that I don't, because I, I really love it, but it's always, I want it to be something that's bigger than I am. So I'm always looking to find out ways that we can have collaborations with community, have ways that we can continue doing some of even some of the charitable work that we've been doing with our community members and expand beyond that. So that's really what I'm hoping for five years from now. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we are pretty much up against it on time. Um, first off, congratulations on, on the position you have. You are incredibly passionate about what you're doing that just comes out in the conversation so i think they've got the right person at the helm i, I, I suspect really good things are going to happen there at the university of montana 
uh, with you there helping them and guiding them. So this is a new space for a lot of people. So I appreciate your time in helping our audience kind of understand a little bit more about what goes on in this space, especially at the collegiate level. Um, hope you stay safe. Hopefully we'll be able to reconnect in the fall and see how things are going once we're hopefully live again and uh, kind of touch base from there. So again, we appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you for coming in on Stay Plugged In and enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks. Have a great day.